Welcome to the Shanna Plan. This is episode 73. My name is Kyle Posey. We are in the new year. Happy new year to everybody. Please, as always, before we get into this, rate, subscribe, review. Thank you for listening to us. We had our biggest month in the month of December on our podcast network, thanks to you. So in 2022, let's take it to another level. I am joined by Akash, my homie, as always. Akash, man, how you doing? Welcome to the new year. Welcome to the new year. Happy new year to all our listeners. Happy new year to you and our producer, Rob. Uh, and once again, appreciate everyone for listening and tuning in to all the podcasts on the Niner Station Network. Um, yeah, like you said, let's take it up to another level this year. So I'm old and New Year's Eve, like I don't get excited for that anymore. So I just spent all weekend on the couch, just pretty much watching football. Did you do anything for New Year's? I was going to say you were watching the college football playoffs, weren't you? Yeah, just just watching the bowl games, watching all the games on Sunday. It was, and I'm perfectly okay with that, by the way. I'm not complaining at all, and that's just where I am in life. Uh, what about you? Did you do anything for New Year's? Are you getting out of the house? I, I was going to say, I, I feel like this is the first year where I transitioned into uh, being old because, uh, yeah, we didn't do anything. We just, just went out to dinner. I was back home by, like, 11 o'clock, right home, did the countdown, and then I was in bed by, like, 1230, so. Welcome to adulthood, baby. Um, okay, let's talk about the 49ers, and we are going to talk about the Texans. So, Trey Lance, second career start, uh, rocky start to the game. So, it looked like a player who hadn't thrown a pass in two and a half months. It looked like a player who, you know, just there's no way. And when I when I talk about Lance, and I think people need to understand this, you can't simulate what happens in the game. The game speed is just so much faster than what happens in practice. And it, you could tell that Lance was head. He was spinning a little bit. But I think once he got to the second two-minute drill, because the first one, and I tweeted this from the Niners Nation account, like, this is where they miss Jimmy because whenever he is on the field and those situations, when Kyle Shannon is aggressive, he's he moves the ball and they score. It, it's almost like a foregone conclusion that they are going to score at the end of the half or at the end of the game. And a large part of that is because Jimmy knows where to go with the ball. I think the second part of that, you know, first half drive was his best. And that's when he started to really wake up. And then from there, Lance just took off. So that was really nice to see. And then, you know, he had the big plays in the second half. Overall, how did you feel about how Lance played? I felt pretty great as the game went on. I think like anybody watching, when you see Trey Lance in the first couple of drives and you see him just a little tentative, a little nervous, uh, you're just not sure what to expect. And then you take a step back and you realize this is a 21-year-old rookie. He's in his first home at least stadium in a must-win game. I'm sure the place was rocking uh, before kickoff. So I'm sure he's like super amped up, super nervous. And, I, you know, I chalk up the first couple drives. It's just nerves, getting settled in, not having played in a few months. And clearly after those few drives, he just hit a stride. Uh, the offense was able to move the ball pretty well. And, you know, I thought after that, he was able to push the ball down the field, which is fantastic. And if you saw the 49ers put out the, uh, the mic'd up video of George Kittle, he, he was encouraging Trey Lance throughout the game. And he asked him, I think, like midway through the second quarter, he's like, hey, you look like you've really settled down. You found a rhythm. And Trey Lance kind of like, yeah, you know, a little nervous after those few drives, but I feel, feel good now. And so once he settled in and he hit a stride, you could see that the 49ers passing game kind of expanded. The confidence in his game uh, started to grow. Kyle Shanahan letting him throw the ball down the field at the end of the first half, showing confidence in his quarterback was huge. And you can just see where this 49ers offense could go with the center. 
So Trey Lance finished with 16 completions on 23 attempts for 249 yards. So uh, a little under 11 yards per attempt. He ran the ball eight times for 31 yards. And I believe uh, six or seven of those were design carry. So uh, that's good. I think one of the big things that we saw is when he was looking to run the ball or when he broke the pocket, the play was out of structure. He was keeping his eyes down the field. So he didn't just turn into a runner. He didn't one, two, three, drop back look at his first receiver, and then just take off like a rookie would do who, with his athletic ability. I think that was promising. His anticipation was about as good as you can ask for for a rookie quarterback. Uh, there there was a one to Jennings. There was a few to Ayuk. There was parts where he – or there were times where he were was manipulating the defense with his eyes. So you saw a lot of promising skills. You saw a lot of things that are sustainable and transferable. Um, what I like the most is just that his – obviously – Explosive plays matter in the NFL. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. The 49ers offense, like they struggle when they don't get explosive plays. And Trey Lance, so of those 16 completions, 10 of those went for double digits. So he's knocking out like chunk plays. And seven of those went for first downs. So that by the definition is the, the definition of efficiency. I really like that from him. Um, I, I mentioned the anticipation. I like the fact that he was running out of sacks as well. So um, there were a few times where it seemed like the Texans would have had him bottled up and he just, again, like he escaped and then would make a play converted first down. So um, really promising start. I thought that this was a sign of what the 49ers offense could look like. You know, you had the deep ball to Debo where, I mean, the ball's on a rope 50 yards across the field. Debo does his thing, breaks a tackle. Um, not a lot of Kittle in this game. I believe he only had one catch and that was at one the end catch. of the game. Um, yep. was a big one, but there were some opportunities to get Kittle involved earlier. And I think, you know, Lance just didn't take the easy ones. So that's another thing where they run like a lot of high, low routes. So there's going to be somebody on the first level. There's going to be somebody on the second level at like 10 yards, 12 yards. And then there's going to be a deep guy. So Trey is a guy that who's going to go to the second and third level. He's really not worried about what's going on in the first level. So you're going to miss some bunnies. So some layups. And that was the case on the fourth down where he threw the ball across his body to Debo, it looked like it was going to Ayuk, but I, I'm pretty sure that was to Debo and he just missed. But Kittle was open right away. And those are the plays that he's going to have to learn how to take. Like, it's okay to give the ball to your best player. Like, you have to do that. And on that situation, it seemed like, you know, you just needed one yard. Let Kittle pick that up. But again, like, this is a rookie. He's making a second start. And like, if we're talking about, you know, hey, throw the ball five, uh, three yards instead of 13 yards. I feel like, you know, you're in a good spot. But based on what we've seen from the other rookie quarterbacks this season, I just thought it was really promising. And it seems like the 49ers made the right pick, and, and that's what would matter. So 100%. Uh, you, yeah, you wrote about the defense, and you talked about just, you know, how creative they've been up front. They've gotten some really good production So from the guys not named Nick Bosa. Why? Because Nick Bosa is being doubled tripled chipped like they are not going to teams are not going to let Bosa beat them why would you with that you know you've had other guys like Samson Epicom Arden Key um and just you know a couple other names step up DJ Jones another guy it feels like on the first play of every game he wins and I don't know how long that streak's been going but I'm I'm confident saying it's it's been a few games in a row so what did you see from the defensive line Chris Kosurik and Domingo Ryans just absolutely fantastic what they've done with this defensive unit for them to be, I think they're eighth in defensive DVOA. I think they're second against the rush. They're sixth in adjusted sack rate. I think they got 43 sacks total on a season. 
Uh, I believe they're second in adjusted line yards. Uh, and, and I think they're first or second in just yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. So they've been fantastic up front. And I think the development that Chris Kacarek, the defensive line coach, um, has put into these players is showing up right now, especially with Arden Key, who I think he had seven pressures, according to PFF on Sunday, uh, with a couple sacks. His seven pressures is a career high. Uh, in his like three or four year career dating back with the Raiders. Uh, Samson Ebukan, who has quietly put up 18 pressures over the last four weeks, including five sacks. He had five sacks all of last season. He has that in the last four weeks. So he's come on as of late. Um, and they've really found something with, uh, you know, the third down rushing unit where they put Key on the inside uh, next to Armstead. And then you've got Ebukan and Bosa. Um, but they've added wrinkles to that. And I pointed this out, like I meant, like you mentioned in the, in the article that I wrote, where now they're lining up Bosa, like on the inside over the guard. They put Armistead on the outside a couple times. Uh, once they ran a stunt with Bosa and Warner uh, lined up right over the center of the guard. And, and that ended up in a sack, I believe. So they're just finding creative ways to generate pressure, which is, which is needed when you only have one premier pass rusher. And then you have a guy and then you have a bunch of guys behind that. And obviously their secondary is kind of what it is. So they're just a pass rush based team. And I thought Chris Kacarek, D'Amico Rhines, uh, I mentioned this to you, James Betcher, who they hired as a senior defensive assistant. All these guys have been extremely creative with generating a pass rush this season. And it's just paid dividends, um, especially towards the end of the game uh, when the Texans were driving. Um, I think when it was like 10-3, 7-3, something like that. And and they were able to find a couple sacks there at the end to, to put that drive away. I think they forced a field goal, which he ended up missing. So that was huge. You mentioned DJ Jones. DJ Jones leads the NFL in ESPN's run stop win rate, which is fantastic. He's been eating up double teams, uh, like you mentioned on the opening play. Uh, and then there was another play late in the game as well that he made where he fights through a double team, makes a tackle. He's been a monster on the inside. So they have to bring him back as well. Uh, but just this defense, coached by D'Amico Ryans, deserves so much credit for what they've been doing. And I feel like a lot of the focus on Sunday was on Trey Lance and the offense, you know, understandably so. But what that defense did on Sunday should, should not go uh, unnoticed. So we're going to talk about the Rams game in a little bit, but the defensive line will be a big reason why they beat the Rams. Like, if they are to beat the Rams, that will be a big reason why. So we haven't really talked about Eric Armstead much this season, but he's playing very well. Um, just overnight, he just turned into a three technique, but he's a very good one. And I feel like every game he has some type of impact play. So he had a half sack last game. He had a quarterback hit. He had a tackle for loss. He has a couple plays where he pushes a pocket and embarrasses the opposing guard. So he just well, I think we kind of take it for granted what he's doing. And he allows the guys, the edge rushers, to put, you know, three different edge rushers alongside of him on passing downs when DJ Jones comes off the field. So have to shout out Armstead as well. He, he gets a lot of flack for what his contract is and how much money he makes, but he is so, so good on the inside. Uh, he's third, I think, in ESPN's uh, run-stop-win rate. So the 49ers, have, their two interior defensive linemen are in the top three, and that's why their rushing defense is, is second in DVOA and it's fantastic. And this week they're going to go up against Sony Michel and, and Sean McVay's rushing attack. So uh, like you mentioned, I think that's where the matchup is. Can they, can they stop the run with that defensive line? Can they, and can they get after Matt Stafford? I think since week nine or week 10, the 49ers in defensive success rate are number one. And I believe they are in the 30s. I have it up here right now, actually. So um, 
they are really good and is a lot of those because so they're third actually so 33 percent success rate which is pretty freaking phenomenal uh they're also third in rushing epa since week 10 so yeah you can't do anything against them on the ground uh, um the secondary is something else though and we are going to talk about that so uh, i wrote on niners nation just what who's going to start what is going to happen so at the quarterback at wide receiver at db let's actually start with db so we can segue there so jimmy ward is on the reserve COVID list, as is K1 Williams, as is Dante Johnson. So that is important just because those are three players who will probably start. Uh, Shanahan seems like he is pretty high on Dante Johnson, and he Dante Johnson came in the game for Josh Norman. He did commit a pass interference, but he didn't give up much after that. Uh, Shanahan said that he would have started after the Seattle game had he not had, obviously, you know, the unfortunate circumstance of his mom passing away. But uh, if Johnson is not cleared, if K1 is not cleared, if Ward isn't cleared, I don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, you know, they are expecting those guys to be cleared with the COVID protocols. And since that they were placed on the reserve COVID list on Monday, they should be back in time well before um, the 49ers take the field on Sunday. So uh, what do you think happens? So at cornerback, no Josh Norman. I think it's safe to say we've seen the last of Josh Norman. Would you agree with that? Thank God. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think. He said he basically took credit. He said, "Yeah, I called for Josh Norman to be benched, and I'd ask him why it took this long, like why that specific play, because you and I watch these games, and you you always just see him chasing uh, a receiver ten yards down the field, and and there are a couple of plays you highlighted where he's just he's just trailing the receiver all the time. So thank God he's he's been benched. Hopefully we never have to see him again. Um, but I'd imagine if." Um, uh, the guys that you mentioned aren't able to go. You get Ambry Thomas starting on one side. And on the other side, Diamador Lenore is, is starting, I'd imagine. Uh, and you mentioned K1 Williams. So K1 Williams officially hasn't gone on the COVID-19 reserve list yet. I, I know Kyle Shanahan mentioned his name on Monday, but we'll see if he has an update uh, later on Wednesday uh, if Williams is going to make it. But Williams playing would be huge. Um, Jimmy Ward has been a huge um, defensive chess piece that they've used against Cooper Cup in the past and he's kind of taken him out of the slot usually so that would be a huge uh, miss if Ward's unable to go so hopefully they get all those guys back um, with the new COVID rules they, sh they should be eligible to go as long as they're feeling healthy so hopefully they're back and, and we don't have to worry about seeing uh, you know Lenore and some of the other guys in the secondary. Yeah that would be crazy after all this after you know benching Lenore twice pretty much hey by the way we need you to come back out here and we're going to have you guard odell beckham and cooper cup and by the way this season is on the line so go get him slugger uh, we believe in you we promise that is not going to go well for his confidence uh, you mentioned jimmy ward they have to have him back i feel like of all the names we're going to mention uh, he is like cooper cup's kryptonite it's pretty crazy how he kind of just takes him away so Jimmy Ward had two interceptions the last time the Rams played. He was targeted twice, didn't give up a catch. Uh, last season, uh, the second game, he was targeted four times, did not give up a catch. Uh, the game before, it was targeted once, didn't give up a catch. It seems like if you just go down the box scores of Jimmy Ward against the Rams, he is constantly shutting down one of the most valuable players um, in the NFL, I guess, when you talk about what he means to his team. Uh, Cup is on pace, or he has a chance to break 2,000 yards this season. So to have a guy you can throw out there and say, hey, take that away and you'd be comfortable with him would be, you know, would go a long way for the 49ers. So ideally, Emmanuel Mosley, who Shanahan expects to open their, his practice window today on Wednesday, uh, he returns to the lineup. 
that would be big because Mosley can actually run, which is a nice change of pace compared to the other guy who we mentioned. Um, it would be Mosley on one side. It would be Ambry Thomas on the other, who has come a long way. And he does look like a player who is gaining more confidence. Could have had an interception. Should have had an interception. Hit him right in the freaking six. hands. That Those are the plays. And, and I feel like once he saw, like once the ball hit his hands, I think we're going to see a different player. And I think we are starting to see that already. But uh, Thomas and Mosley. And then you have Ward. Ideally, K1 Williams is cleared. And then you have Tart. Um, on the back end too. So that would be their best case scenario to have all those guys healthy. I, I don't think that K1 Williams is a good matchup uh, for the Rams, like against, you know, their their type of athletes that they have. I would imagine we see him more of like a blitzer and in zone coverage. They they attacked him pretty good last game. He gave up uh, six catches, I believe, for 50 some yards and it was on six targets. So they're going to have to, and I'm not saying hide him, but I, I just imagine they'll put him in a, a scenario where, you know, he's not on Cooper Cup or he's not on Odell Beckham, which isn't like a, you're not talking down on somebody when you're saying, oh, I don't want him to guard one of the two, two of the better receivers in the NFL. But the pass rush will be able to, you know, help and, you know, kind of take away some of the pressure on the secondary. Let's go to wide receivers. So Mohamed Sanu is another guy who is going to return. And Juwan Jennings has been playing well, He, but both players have been consistent. So when you think about Mohamed Sanu, like all throughout training camp, he was the sure-handed guy. He was the guy you could rely on over the middle, the big body target. But there have been occasions during the season where like Jimmy was hitting him in stride over the middle, and he just didn't catch the ball. It seemed like he was not the guy that we had envisioned he would be. And at the same time, Jennings has, who made a great catch on third down last week, by the way, to adjust to – um, an underthrown ball by Trey Lance. But there has been times where, you know, Jennings just drops the ball when it hits him right in the chest. And he has a higher drop rate actually than Sanu. So um, I think both players give you similar skill sets, but both players are different at the same time because Jennings kind of plays with a guy like his hair on fire. He's always running around, running like crazy. Um, he, he has a lot of hustle plays. I remember he recovered a fumble. I forget who it was against the Vikings maybe. Um, but I don't – I would imagine – they keep Jennings in the game just because of how the offense has looked with him on the field compared to Sanu. Like, I don't, I don't have like, you know, the on off numbers, like the plus minus NBA numbers, but my, my eyes tell me that they are a better team with Jennings on the field than Sanu. What do you think? With that said, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Shanahan sticks to what he knows in Muhammad Sanu just because the comfortability level, what, what do you think happens at wide receiver three? I agree with you in the sense that they both actually bring pretty similar skill sets, bigger, physical, uh, making, you know, tough contested catches, uh, play primarily out of the block, good blockers. Uh, they both tend to drop a lot of balls that kind of hit right in the numbers, uh, which is weird because I think PFF only accounted Sanu for two drops, but it's felt like 20. Uh, I would just continue to play Jawan Jennings. It feels like he brings more energy, more life to the offense. Uh, I always think back to the the play against the Jaguars where uh, I remember Kyle Shanahan like giving him a high five, dapping him up after that. And that's what I think of when I think of Jawan Jennings, just high energy, high motor plays um, as as a wide receiver. He just seems to be a really good compliment. That play that he made on third and three to come back to the ball and catch uh, the pass from Trey Lance, was, uh, which was really low, was, was a really good play. He's been a big red zone threat too, so I, I would just – I would just continue to roll with Jennings. 
and with what works. Hopefully, Thomas to new again. Yeah, I imagine, and we're we're talking about wide receiver three. I want to be very clear that this does not matter if you give the ball to Ayuk, Kittle, and Debo. I would just spam the hell out of giving those guys the ball. Like there is no reason in a must-win situation that the combined targets for all of those guys shouldn't be like north of 20, 25. This is a game where you rely on your best players. And that kind of segues into what to do at quarterback because if Jimmy is healthy, and he's not, but if Jimmy were to play, I think one of his best qualities is that he's going to throw the ball to George Kittle. And good things happen when you get him the ball. He's going to get the ball to Debo Samuel. And good things happen when you get him the ball. So aside from you know Jimmy just being competent and aggressive in the two-minute drill, I think him re- being over-reliant on the playmakers on this team is a great thing. Uh, for Trey, I didn't really see that as far as – it seems like he has good uh, chemistry with Brandon Ayuk. But it's not there yet with Kittle and Debo. But at the same time, I remember in training camp, Ayuk is running with like the ones, twos, and threes because Kyle Shannon hates him. Um, and I'm not being serious when I say that. But when you talk about uh, Jimmy and the other receivers, like Kittle's not running with a second team ever. Like he's not running with the third team. Of course, he's sprinkled in there every now and then. But you're, Debo and Kittle like aren't doing that. So maybe that's where some of the chemistry comes from. Um, but Jimmy – thumb sprain we are as of right now 13 days since then by the time the game kicks off it will be 17 days into a four to six week injury Uh, jimmy has not thrown a football since the titans game on december 23rd so for him like common sense would say he's probably not going to play because he has not gripped a football we will have an update today whether you know he's out on the practice field throwing even if he does, I imagine it would be like a lighter session. Like he's probably not going to be out there um, in full capacity. Like he would be limited. He would be limited on the practice report, I imagine. Um, what do you think? Like, is there any, are you giving, what are the odds percentages that you're giving Jimmy to play on Sunday? Less than 10%. I'd understand if your backup quarterback was CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins or something like that. At that point, you're like, Man, if Jimmy Garoppolo is just 75%, I could roll him out. But you have Trey Lance as his backup quarterback who just played against the Texans and showed you in the second half that he's more than capable of moving the down the field. Um, and, of course, there's going to be rookie mistakes. It's a must-win game. You're on the road, divisional, matchup, all that stuff. And it's really good defense. Understood. But I would just say if he's not healthy, if he's not comfortable making all the throws, 100% confident in that thumb, you just roll with Trey Lance. And you know, ski good game for him, and and uh, just continue the momentum that they had in the second half. So I'd say it's less than five percent. You know, we've talked about it. I don't think he's held a football yet. Like he hasn't held a ball yet. It which matters that tight in the sport of football. Which uh, yeah, last time I checked, quarterbacks they hold the football, they throw the football. So he's unable to hold it. And I'd imagine Kyle Shanahan comes out on Wednesday and just says, "We're going to try to get Jimmy out there. We'll see what he does." I hope he's limited and we'll see as the week goes. And, you know, we talked about this before we hit record. Like, hey, why don't the 49ers just put him on season-ending IR? And it's just in case they make a playoff run here with Trey Lance. Maybe they make it to the NFC Championship game or something like that, and Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy. So if you were to put him on IR, we think that his season would be over, and so they're just trying to avoid that and just keep him on the active roster. But I'm not sure why they just wouldn't say, hey, he's out for two to four weeks or whatever. So it's just weird considering – 
like doctors and surgeons are saying, yeah, it's a four to six week injury. And then Kyle <laughs> Shanahan is saying, yeah, he can throw on Sunday. So it just doesn't add up. Uh, Sean McVay spoke on Tuesday and he said that the, the Rams are preparing for both quarterbacks. Um, I'm sure that that's the case, Sean. I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan is really throwing you off with this news that Jimmy is questionable to play on Sunday. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Rams game. We're going to talk about the potential injuries that the 49ers will get back to potential injured players that the 49ers get back and go through the playoff scenarios um, after this quick break. All right. So 49ers, we talked about getting Mohamed Sanu back, talked about getting Emmanuel Mosley back. So the 49ers are going to open up the practice window also for Dre Greenlaw, which is big just because Aziz Alshire is probably going to be out for another week. So also, also they get Maurice Hurst back. So they get another pass rusher back, which would be nice against a Rams offensive line that actually just isn't playing very well. And they have, you know, allowed Matthew Stafford to be under pressure quite a bit. And when that happens, Stafford turns into Stafford that we all know who is a guy that is going to turn over the ball. So out of those potential injuries, who do you think will help the 49ers the most? Like, because we haven't seen Greenlaw in a long time, it seems like, like a long, long time. And you could probably say the same for Hurst, who is a fun player when he's on the field. And I, I do think he will be able to make an impact. But again, like it's been so long since we've seen these players on the field that there's going to be inevitable rest. And I think it goes without saying that Mosley will probably be the best of the best just because of what he brings to the table, the position that he plays and who he's going against. But uh, maybe some of the lesser names, what do you think? Emmanuel Mosley is the most obvious one, given the fact that there's a vacant you know, spot at starting corner. And a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Shannon said, yeah, there's an outside chance he plays against the Rams. And after benching Josh Norman, after seeing Dante Johnson go on the COVID-19 list, Kyle's probably praying on all fours that Emmanuel Mosley's able to go this game. And, that ankle's and feeling cover. a lot better. It's feeling fantastic. Imagine they'd uh, give him any, anything he needed this week to be able to play on Sunday. Uh, so he's obviously the biggest name. Hurst, we haven't seen all season, but you know the reports out of training camp were that he was going to be more impactful than Arden Key, Katavis Street, you know, all these other guys on the roster. So interested to see what he brings. Uh, Dre Greenlaw would be huge, obviously. That's a huge step up for Marcel Harris next to Fred Warner. Fred Warner's been playing lights out, by the way, the last like month yes. or so. Yes. Uh, he had like, 15 tackles, I think, which is a career high on Sunday. So he's been playing fantastic. So to get another guy like Greenlaw, Greenlaw next to him would be huge. Um, and even even what was what was the last name you mentioned there? Uh, oh, Sanu. Yeah, Sanu is probably the least impactful one just because they have a pretty capable replacement in Juwan Jennings. But the other three guys on defense, I would take in a heartbeat just because that defense could use as many depth reinforcements as it could take, especially in the secondary. Agreed. All all across the board there. All right. Let's talk about the Rams because if you remember a year ago at the end of January, the 49ers were linked pretty closely to Matthew Stafford. And that was all throughout the month of January. And it wasn't just something like, you know, a random account saying, oh, the 49ers, you know, they're going to get Stafford. There were a lot of people talking about it, a lot of national writers talking about it. And then up until so I believe the trade went down on a Saturday for the Rams because they just kind of crept in out of nowhere. The night before, the 49ers were the odds on betting favorite to land Stafford. And I was writing about on Niners Nation thinking about, oh, it's about to happen. It's going to go down all that week throughout. And then, of course, the Rams swoop in and take Stafford. Now, a season later or a year later, heading into the final week of the season, the, the 49ers have to get past Matthew Stafford and the Rams to make the playoffs. 
as so the line opened up at six and a half. So the 49ers were six and a half point favorites. They are now, or sorry, they were they were most certainly were not six and a half point favorites. They are six and a half point underdogs on the road against the Rams, 12 win Rams. Uh, if the Rams win, they win the NFC West. If they lose, they will be, I believe, the five seed. So the 49ers, I mean, if they win, they are the sixth seed. And of course, they're going to there are going to be other playoff scenarios that we go through. But we just want to talk about this game right now. So beat the Rams. You're in the playoffs. Nothing else matters. You should not have to rely on Matt Ryan and the Falcons to have to win a game, especially knowing everything that has gone on this season. So, again, Matthew Stafford, a player who has turned the ball over like quite a bit. And we were talking about this before the before we got on here. The Rams, yes, they have 12 wins. Yes, they have two of the better wide receivers in the NFL, and they are high-flying offense. Um, they're scoring a lot of points, but it doesn't seem like they are this juggernaut that, that are unbeatable. So last week, they win by one point against the Ravens, who played Tyler Huntley. The week before, they beat the Vikings 30-23. to Kirk Cousins throws an interception. They do that without Dalvin Cook. The week before, they beat Seattle 20 to 10, but that game was a lot closer than that score would indicate. So just going down the, their box scores and going through their box scores, even the week before, it was 30 to 23 against the Cardinals, but that was a game that was also very, very close too. So um, this game is going to be very close. This game is going to probably come down to the fourth quarter. As always, who turns the ball over less? Um, I think the better question is, who is going to be able to overcome the turnovers? Because we, I mean, Trey Lance has started twice. He's turned the ball over twice. And I mean, even Jimmy, when Jimmy plays, he has turned the ball over. When Matthew Safford plays, he turns the ball over. So I think the question is, who who do you trust the most to overcome turnovers? That's a good question. I, I think you'd have to say Matt Stafford, even though he's turned the ball over. I think there was a stretch on Sunday where he had what five picks and 51 passing attempts or something like that. I saw it on I saw it on my timeline. Or it was like four picks, if you want to, something like something crazy. Um, and so I, I'd have to lean with the veteran in this situation just because he has experience. He's at home uh, in an offense that he's practiced, you know, all season long, started for the team. Whereas Trey Lance, you know, he's just in an unfamiliar situation. So I'm not sure what to expect. And he's thrown an interception in each of his last two starts. Um, even though both, I, th- I think the second one is a little bit more understandable than the first one. Because uh, the second one felt like he had the right read. It was just a poorly thrown ball. Right. Um, so I, I would lean Stafford in that situation. But, you know, the more you think about this game, it it's tough. Like you mentioned, you, Rams are, I think, 4 0 the last four games, even though the, the scores may not indicate dominant wins. But still 4 0, still such a well coached team. Uh, it's deep roster from top to bottom at home. Uh, and it's kind of the worst possible scenario for the 49ers where the Rams need to win to win the NFC West. And if they win the division, they'd be the number two seed. So they'd get two home playoff games uh, before going to Green Bay if they get that far. And so they're in a scenario where they have to win. The 49ers are in a scenario where they have to win and they're starting a rookie quarterback on the road. So just an unideal situation to try to get into the playoffs. It's just kind of unfortunate that, that they're in this spot to begin with because uh, they've just got too much talent to be kind of a fringe playoff team needing a week 18 win to get in but it is what it is and uh, I think a bigger matchup that you haven't hit on is the flip side of the ball 
Uh, it's that Rams defensive line against this 49ers offensive line and Trey Lance. It's Vaughn Miller. I think you highlighted a couple plays uh, where Vaughn Miller just looks fantastic again. Aaron Donald, who's still superstar Aaron Donald. And they've still got a bunch of other guys on that defensive line. It's, it's how are they going to block them? How are they going to counter that? How's Trey Lance going to look under pressure? It's just all those things that that worry me uh, more than the other side of the ball. So the perception is that the Rams offense is this high-flying offense and that the 49ers um, not so much struggle, but just aren't on the same level as the Rams. And I do not agree with that. And I'm not obviously I'm not saying Akash is saying that. I'm saying that's the national perception that when you think about the Rams, you think about the 49ers. Common sense is going to tell you that the Rams are better on offense. Since week 10, the 49ers are ninth in EPA per play. The Rams are 11th. The 49ers are fifth in offensive success rate. The Rams are seventh. And then the 49ers, there is no team since week 10 who has more explosive passing plays through the air than San Francisco. And they are also 10th in explosive running plays. So they are actually this high-flying offense that you know are getting these chunk plays down the field. So I think that is going to help. I think Lance being able to run out of sacks is going to help. I also think, and we talked about this a little bit before, so we mentioned that Jennings throw when he made the adjustment. Third and three, how often have we seen the 49ers throw past the sticks to that degree throughout the season? So just using that play alone, knowing that Kyle Shanahan can go use the entire field and not so not have to throw these, you know, passes over the middle of the field into a bunch of bodies. He can throw outside of the numbers. He can use the entire field down the field. Um, he can allow Trey Lance to run around a little bit, and he called some design runs in, you know, just high leverage situations, what I call. So third and three, third and four. So he's able to open up the playbook against a Rams defense that has played well. There's no doubt about it. But again, their perception isn't as good as you would think. So they are actually worse quite a bit worse than the 49ers in a couple key areas as well. So uh, 49ers are, um, are, sorry, just defensively, they are worse. Uh, the 49ers are fifth in EPA per play, I believe. Uh, no, that is not true. They are ninth in EPA per play. Um, the Rams are 11th. And then from success rate, it's fifth, according, uh, sorry, fifth compared to seventh. But the Rams, they rely on their superstars. Outside of their superstars, they're kind of like, eh. Uh, they give up a lot of plays. So you have Von Miller, you have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey. You have three of probably the better players ever. However, outside of that, you, you're not really – like you're looking at their defense and you're wondering, like you can get over on these guys. So I imagine Kyle Shannon, knowing the Rams like he does, will be able to take advantage of you know some of their weaknesses. I imagine we see a lot of play action. Um, I'm interested to see if we see him open up the playbook even more because we – they were running the Jimmy Garoppolo offense last week, and which is a compliment, by the way, to Trey Lance, knowing that you know his play caller trusts him. But now I think we're going to see a couple more wrinkles that we have yet to see, and I cannot wait to see that, to see what he busts out. So um, I, I do like their matchup when they're on offense. I'm, I'm a little more worried about the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, the 49ers have been lights out on the ground, and you, that's one of the things you wrote about. So I mentioned 33% success rate against the run which is just really, really good. And the fact that they are third in defensive rushing EPA tells you that they're not giving up long runs. So they are getting in these third and eights, third and sevens, third and six. They have the pass rush to be able to get after them. It comes down to the corners making plays. It comes down to the safeties making plays. And um, as 
as frightening as that might be, that's probably what this game is going to come down to, whether Ambry Thomas next play, whether, um, you know, Kwan Williams, whoever is out there, Dante Johnson, hopefully Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is the, the key matchup here? It'll be the 49ers defensive backs against the Rams receivers, in my opinion, and just limiting explosive plays, mistakes, uh, taking advantage of Matt Stafford's interceptions or errant throws as well, which they were able to do in that first matchup. Jimmy Ward with two interceptions. So can they do that again? Can they give this 49ers offense extra possessions with Trey Lance uh, to be able to put up points? And I think that's what it's going to come down to. You know, the 49ers have won five straight games in this matchup. Can they make it six? Um, it's just it's just building up to be a phenomenal matchup. I think Joe Buck, Troy Aikman's on the call, so it's the Fox, Fox's number one crew. They know how big of a matchup this is, which is which is massive. And you know, it's exactly what you asked for. It's exactly what people like you and I, who who watch this team, you know, basically through the calendar year, hope for, which is a Week 18 game. You know, everything on the line um, with with Trey Lance under center, and we'll see what happens. So if I told you in August, how would you feel about the season? Heading into week 18, the 49ers had nine wins and they hadn't clinched yet, but they, you know, they have an opportunity to win 10 wins and clinch a playoff berth heading into the final week of the season. Would you have taken that? Probably, given what they have done the past few seasons. But if you watch throughout the season, they should have more than nine wins. I mean, this yes. team is too talented to be nine and seven. Um, all the advanced metrics, DVOA, EPA, success rate, all that stuff tells you that this team is is far better than what their record shows. And just some of the games, the way they've you know tricked away or given away games, it's just that's why they are nine and seven. That's why they're still competing to make the playoffs, and it's unfortunate. And if they miss out on the playoffs this week, which will require a loss and a Saints win, it's just it's brutal. It, it'd be devastating for Kyle Shanahan to miss the playoffs with this team. And considering that Nick Sirianni and Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon were able to get in over this team. So let's go through their losses because it's pretty painful when you break them down. So the first loss was against the Packers and who are the number one seed. And they got out to a, you know, that I'm, I don't fault them for losing that game. I know it was at home, but I mean, that was one of the few games even before the season that I thought, you know, the Packers would probably be able to win. So um, they, they made it close. They came back. But still, that, that was a game that the Packers were going to win. So that was one of the few legitimate losses that I feel like the 49ers had this season. Cannot say the same the next week against the Seahawks. Like they should have beaten the Seahawks. The week the next week, Trey Lance starts, and it's 17-10 against the Cardinals. They have a chance to, on fourth and goal, uh, to take the lead. And obviously, Trey Lance throws the interception as they're driving on the first drive. They should not have lost that game. I know it was his first start, but the game script should have told you that they should have won the game. Um, I wish I had, you know, the win probabilities for each game, but I feel like it's safe to say the 49ers had, you know, the win probability in their favor in a lot of these games. 13 to 8 or 30 to 18 against the Colts, that game was nowhere near um, as, you know, I mean, I feel like they had the, the lead in that game for a big portion of it. But again, turnovers was the name of the game. That was the DPI game. That was the, the Drake Kirkpatrick game, who, if you guys remember, he was on this roster this season. That's how long this season has been. Um, just, again, keep going down the line after the Colts game. So they lose to Colt McCoy, man. <laughs> they lost to Colt freaking McCoy, 31-20, 31-17. And still, they had plenty of opportunities to win that game. Then they reel off a bunch of wins in a row. 
comes back to the Titans game, up 10 to nothing at half, felt like it was easy breezy. They were going to cruise to a victory. Uh, the Titans come back. Uh, the 49ers um, lose that one 20 to 17. And now here we are heading into the final week of the season. You have to win. So, I mean, time after time, they've shot themselves on the foot. Will they be able to overcome is something that we will see. So uh, as far as the playoff scenarios, pretty simple. Uh, win and you're in or the Saints lose. So the Saints are they were six and a half point favorites on the road against the Falcons. That is down to four. Hopefully Kyle Pitts plays. Hopefully uh, we see the best version of Matt Ryan. Hopefully Taysom Hill turns the ball over. And I mean, that's what you're hoping for. There's a lot that could go on. Do you, do you think the Falcons beat the Saints? So the Falcons beat the Saints earlier in the season. They kind of kicked their ass, actually. Yeah, I, was, I was looking at the box score, but that was a Trevor Simeon game, so it's like hard to take that into account. But Falcons seven and nine, I think. So they, at least their record, really. I guess it's special the way the 49ers kind of handled them a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I, I don't think you can trust the Falcons to beat the Saints. I think you got to go out and take care of business. I think it would still feel weird if the 49ers would lose to the Rams and still make the playoffs uh, as a seventh seed or six seed. It would, it would just feel weird. So um, I would not depend on that game, even though right. it's technically still part of the playoff scenario. I would just go ahead and take care of business. So with that being said, do the 49ers make the playoffs? Yeah, man. As of right now, they have a 59% chance, I believe. Um, they're, they're in the higher 50s, and the Saints are in the lower 40s is how it's breaking down, no matter where you look at it. I think they do. I don't know how that happens, but I think – when we record next week, we are talking about, you know, who they're playing, whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, on the road. So I do think they win. I do. Th or I'm not going to say that they win. I do think that they find a way to make the playoffs. I actually am higher on them than our producer, Rob and Akash. Uh, I, I think I give them a better shot to win just because of some of the things that I, and obviously Kyle Shanahan, like if you want to play a divisional rival, it's probably the Rams knowing that he knows how to beat their defense. I think you would want Kyle Shanahan calling players against the Rams over anybody. Um, I also think that he will be more aggressive than we've seen against the Rams. I know that they have Jalen Ramsey, but outside of him, their secondary is not good. Like They give up a lot of plays, and I, I imagine the 49ers have the guys to take advantage of that. So uh, their skill players are so freaking good. And I, I feel like, you know, again, just spam the ball to them, get the ball to them over and over and over what I believe I, I will say. So let's get into some predictions. I think uh, Trey Lance has a better passing day than we expect. I think that they are able to run the ball a little bit. Elijah Mitchell being healthy is so important for this game and their offense is much better when he is in the game. So um, my prediction, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I do think the 49ers are going to find a way, man. And that's based on history. Um, I, I just like their odds. And based on the way Matthew Stafford has been playing, I think he will kind of crumble under pressure. I think he's going to have a turnover that you're just like, yeah, he's been doing that for the last freaking month. So why would it stop right now? Aside from those interceptions, he also had a sack fumble and he's been careless with the ball in that regard, too. So um, I just think a big moment for Stafford, he's going to crumble and that's what he does. So I think the 49ers win and it's going to be something crazy like. 28-27, 30-28, just a high-scoring game where, you know, it maybe comes down to the last drive and the 49ers end up getting a stop, which is crazy to say. You would not expect that given their cornerback situation, but uh, that's where I'm at with this game, man, and, and I feel pretty confident in saying that, and I, I think I'm going to 
find myself with a 49ers ticket in my hand, which is wild to say after uh, this season. What, what do you think? As I was listening to you there, I was like, oh, man, I, I can see what you're saying. I can see that happening on Sunday. But like I said earlier, the Rams have lost five straight games to this 49ers team. Sean McVay is going to get up there on Wednesday before practice, and it's going to be easy to motivate his guys, right? This team has kicked your ass five straight times. The NFC West, it's on the freaking line. The two seed, it's on the line. So let's go out this week, focus, execute everything. Right? It's easy. To, it's easy to get up for this game if you're the Rams. Um, so I'd imagine they're laser focused. I imagine Sean McVay comes out with his best game plan of the season, all that stuff. I mean, familiar opponent, whatever. But I, I think it's going to be a close game as well. I just think the Rams just have a little bit more firepower, especially at quarterback, despite what you think of Matt Stafford's play recently. And I think that's just going to be the difference in this game. Um, it's a tough ask for Trey Lance, a rookie making his third start on the road, even though I think it'll be a majority, you know, 49ers centric crowd. It's just, it's just a tough ask for a rookie on the road. And I think they end up losing like 28, 24, 30, 27 or something like that. Something very close. And we'll see what happens with the Falcon Saints game. And I think it comes down to that, but, I just have a hard time picturing the 49ers beating Sean McVay and the Rams on the road with Trey Lance in a game that the Rams need to win as well. Six times in a row would be something else, man, against a team that is very good, like a, a Rams team that has consistently been one of the best teams in the NFL since Sean McVay has taken over. Um, how about Rams Falcons? Or sorry, Rams Falcons. How about Saints Falcons? Because I think the Falcons win, honestly. And I think it's going to be one of those 16, 13s where I think the Falcons can put up enough points. And I just don't think the Saints can score no matter who's under center. Taysom Hill, um, Trevor Simeon. So another game where you have a familiarity process, uh, familiarity, just knowing that these two teams know each other. You mentioned the Falcons took it to the Saints earlier in the season. I don't think that's going to be any different. I think it's probably just going to be lower scoring this time around. But uh, the Saints are very good against Tom Brady. They're very good defense, but against most other teams, I think uh, you just see a different version of them. And also the Falcons, they are one of the worst teams when it comes when they have to play somebody who is actually good. I don't pencil the Saints in as a team that qualifies as good. So I, I give them a, a victory 16 to 13. So even if my prediction for the 49ers is wrong, I, I do feel confident that the Falcons will bail. Uh, the 49ers out. So what do you what do you think happens there? I'd imagine the football guys have to shine down the 49ers and, and take them into the playoffs here. I, I agree with you. I do think the Falcons do beat the Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill was bad last week. I, I saw a play where he threw a pick, or not a pick, he threw a ball right to a Panthers defender and hit him right at the numbers and he dropped it. So um, I can't see Taysom Hill and this Saints team who's been banged up, doesn't really have a receiver. Uh, going into Atlanta and winning. So I think Atlanta wins that game and Fortnite just get into the playoffs because of that. So I think same outcome, but we have different paths to get there, if that makes sense. The um, I'm interested to see what the mood is, well, like what the vibe is around 49er land. If they make the playoffs, but they do it, they do so by losing and the the Falcons win. Like so you're bailed out. In my mind, who gives a hell? Like, who cares? Let, that doesn't matter because now you get to prepare for another week. You don't have to go on vacation. You're not making trips to Cabo because you're preparing for Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. So that'll be interesting. Um, I'm sure there will be like, you know, at first you're going to be a little disappointed, but you look at the scoreboard. Oh, wow. The Falcons are winning. We're good. Who cares? Uh, that'll be interesting. But 
Um, thank you as always. That'll do it for us. Uh, again, rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is you get your podcast. Leave us five stars, five star review, please. Um, I will be at the game, man. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. As you mentioned, it'll probably be a heavy 49ers crowd. Hopefully that is, you know, one of the differences that helps 49ers squeak this one out. But um, looking forward to a game that will probably be one of the better ones of the weekend. I think the NFL blew it by not making this the Saturday night game. Uh, instead, it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Eagles are going to get blown out. The Eagles already clinched. I don't know why that happened. Um, just mismanagement on the NFL, typical. Um, <laughs> that'll do it for us. Akash, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Hopefully, we're back talking about a 49ers win, a 49ers playoff berth. We're still breaking down football going into next week. Because not only does the season end for the 49ers, it also, uh, we go into off-season mode uh, on all the Niners Nation podcasts. So hopefully we have another week to talk about real football and not, not the off-season. Um, and where can we find you, KP? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube. Just type in Kyle Posey. Broke down Trey Lance this last week. Uh, saw a lot of things that I really liked. Obviously, you know, he didn't get off to a great start. He was just babying, aiming the ball, aiming the ball in there. But I feel like as we, as he got his as he got settled in, it was just so much better. And I think it was promising to know that the 49ers made the right pick. So again, thanks as always for listening and go Niners.